So it's not about teaching them anything, but it is about awakening that curiosity, you know, and making yes. them passionate and, yes. and creating that excitement and that sense of belonging, right? Of saying like, wow, how cool is that? Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Leumitech, Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. Welcome to episode 298. We have with us Miriam Tocino, the CEO and author of Zerus and Ona. Miriam is a former architect turned software developer and a programming teacher. As a result of her recent motherhood, she's passionate about making computers more accessible, friendly, and easy to understand for young children and encourage them to become curious about what technology is and how it works. She's the author of Zerus and Ona, a book series designed to make learning about computers fun and motivating for the whole family. Miriam Tocino, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Good morning. Thank With you, Michael. This always. is exciting. Thank you for having me. Of course. You're in the sunrise all the way from Spain, right? Yes. Yes, it's about the sun. The sun is going to be rising as we speak today. Wonderful. Amazing. So I can't wait to see the light, the light change. Thank you for taking this call so early. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, Miriam, before we talk about, you know, enabling children with superhuman tools to uh, interact with computers and technology, I'd love to first hear a little bit about you because your journey is very It's very weird. It's very nonlinear. Uh, you know, you're from Netherlands. Right now you're in Spain. You're an, ar an architect turned into a software engineer, turned into a, a book author, uh, passionate about helping kids, uh, you know, interact with really, you know, 2020 and 2021 and, and where, where the world is moving in terms of technology. So I've spoken enough. Miriam, share with me a little bit about who you are and, and how do you get sucked into this whole world of technology? So here's the story, uh, Michael, because today we're going to be talking about how technology is now a big part of my life and the work I do as a writer. But I haven't always been this passionate about the world of computers. And my dad always wanted me to go into computer science. And he used to say, Miriam is the future, right? And now we know he was right and that I completely missed the point. <laughs> But uh, as a child, I thought that computers were gray and boring and, uh, well, Instead, I went into college and I studied architecture. And it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I started to, to get interested in technology and I taught myself how to code. Uh, and I discovered that working with computers could be something fun, full of creativity, and that allowed me to help other people around me, which were the things that drew me in the first place into architecture and not into computer science. What, so, what is the moment? What, but why, you know, studying to be an architecture is, you know, a, a feat on its own, right? Uh, how, what, what prompts you to then say, okay, you know what, I'm actually going to go and also teach myself how to code, which is a whole other feat, a scary one at that, right? That at the end, it's, it's very rewarding, but it is a scary experience for those who, who don't have too, uh, enough guidance. But what, what prompts you to go there and, and what was the experience like? Okay, so there were two main things that actually prompted me to, to make a switch. The first one was that uh, at the beginning I was very happy being an architect, but then after a while and we were winning competitions and I was working in exciting projects and it was all fun, right, during my 20s. But at some point, well, 
the, the, the studios in which I was working, it was very demanding. So I worked in four different countries and in every place where I went, uh, well, there were very long hours, no weekends. It yeah. was really, really, really hard. And I didn't see myself doing that for my whole life. I said, like, look, this is actually not working. I tried in four different countries, you know, how is this possible? Like, I don't want to play this game. That was one of the things, right? And on the other uh, hand, I, at the same time, uh, I met my uh, husband now before, so boyfriend, right? And we started dating. And he's a programmer. He's an artificial intelligence programmer, a video games programmer. And I was already living with him. And the weekend would come and I would say, okay, so what are we going to do, right? And he was like, look, I have this feature in my engine that I want to... I'm like, <laughs> wow, you know, like he's really passionate about this thing. Maybe I should try to, you right? Because I think... And, and here's something that didn't... I think we don't talk much about when it's about to choose a career for us, which is like in order to, to be successful as an architect, you need a client, right? You need to build mm -hmm. things for someone, you know, like your designs will stay in paper if you don't actually get that client. But right. what I discovered with coding was like, if I had an idea, you know, like, of course you want people to use your app, to use your invention, to use your thing. But there are so many problems in the world that can actually be solved through technology that it is a huge opportunity to actually be doing something creative that actually help other people around in an easier way and more simple way, more straightforward, you could say, than being an architect, right? And that was mm -hmm. something that um, I was not communicated as a child, right? Right. I so... think that what you're touching here is is on two, two of the things that excite me most about, about technology, which is one, you know, it is about taking matters to your own hands, right? The, the, the idea isn't left on the piece of paper. It's not left as a as an idea for somebody else to go and implement. It really it, it really gives life to it in the in an interactive form. You know, it doesn't necessarily as a single as a programmer, you don't necessarily have to be the one to to bring it all the way to production and into millions of people, but you can at least build something that is much more meaningful and and showcasing a much more meaningful way than it is on a piece of paper. But the second piece of it and what I'm hearing here is that you're able to take that whole creativity piece and that whole artistry side of architecture and bring that into you know into the programming life and i think a lot of people see programming and technology as you know very robotic zeros and ones but at the end you know every, pretty much every programmer that i talk to talks about it as a form of art it's it's yes. really about be, being an artist and you know no two programmers will you can build the same program in so many different ways and and the way in which you design it and do it that's an art of its own Yes, I think uh, it is time that actually we reframe the way that we talk about computer science. Because if I talk yes. with my husband yes. as well about this, right? Like the reason why I went into architecture is because architecture is sold to you as an interdisciplinary career. Yes. Right? And I was like, okay, so I studied design, I studied creativity, I studied structure, I studied mathematics, I studied physics, you know, but I also studied drawing and sketching and, you know, bringing your ideas to life, right? And right. I thought, how is it that we are, and I think about this a lot right now, you know, because I think we are in a moment in which architects have the challenge to actually create our environment, but our environment right now is as digital as it is in real life. And I think about right. what if we place ourselves with the minds of architects, you know, to create the digital future that we want to see.
right? And have that approach in a more broad sense and not 100%. only, you know, from, from a computer science and a technical aspect, right? I think slowly we are getting there. I want to be optimistic about this, right? But I do think that in order to do that, there's still a long way to go to actually say, look, computer science is not, you know, a little bit of the science. I don't really like the term, right? Because it kind of, you know, divides, you know, groups of people. And I think we need to come up with a better wording as well to actually you could say sell it to our children, right? <laughs> or to the I, next I, generation. I completely agree. And, and I have to give a very, a very, very short anecdote because I, I was recently speaking to a school, um, to a middle school about, the, they, they told me that they want to have this, you know, this fun week where, where kids study, you know, they want to become programmers, right? It's a, it's a week to, to get them to really sign up for that computer science class or that programming class. And so the first thing that they tell me is, you know, and, and, and we're going to call it a, a week of computer science education. And I was, and I heard that, and I was like, you know, if I'm a middle schooler, I don't want to, I don't want to go to a week of computer science education. That's the last thing that I want to do. I want to go to a fun week of problem solving. I want to go for, for the art of of interacting with screens, or 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 you know, typing, uh, you know, whatever it is. But but I I completely agree with you that I think there's a huge dissonance right now with between educators and between between kids, what gets them excited. And I'm seeing, you know, my nieces growing up very young, but the things that get them excited are things, you know, if I were to give them titles, the way that educators give titles to these activities today, I don't think they'd be as excited. Um, and so I completely agree. And Miriam, that, that really, you know, is a great segue to what you're working on now in the book that you wrote and, and the things that you're excited about, which is not just how people are interacting with, with computers. It's specifically how kids are seeing the evolving world and what gets them excited about it. So, so let's start all the way. I know. With, with I want to I I add to that. I normally say, uh, Michael, I normally say that understanding computers is a superpower and it is not about right. every child becoming a computer scientist or a programmer right. in the future right but it is like we need to we need to give them the sense that knowing how computers work and the technology around us you know functions will actually become an important part of their toolkit to create yes. their own world in whatever way they choose. So one day you are painting with brushes and paintings, and the other day you are customizing liquid templates in Shopify, right? Like, um, this is it, you know? Like, and this thing, it's here to stay, you know? This is not going away right. anytime soon. 100%. Right? So it's 100%. not about it's not about whether, I don't think, you know, we are anymore in this place where we want our children to become computer scientists, you know, but as, a, as parents and as educators, we need, to, we need to teach them about the world around them. You know, it's part of their culture. It's part of their upbringing. I was in that position that I said, look, if, he, if my kid is young enough to interact with a screen, he's young enough to know what's going on behind that screen. And who is responsible for that, you know, and who is building that for him, you know. I think as little as three, four years old, we could start having those conversations. So our kids, they don't see technology only as consumers, but they start seeing it as creators, right? Right. No, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think the motivation for this and and tell me if I'm if, if you think I'm wrong, but I think that the motivation for this is Saying, okay, now if before people that were interacting with computers, you would call them computer scientists, they're the people that are in the forefront of these technologies. But today, in order to 
just be a successful global citizen, you know, starting in 2020, moving forwards, you have to be you have you have to be comfortable with these adapting technologies. You have to be relevant using these technologies. And so by understanding it, you're increasing the likelihood that you'll be able to adapt and be on the forefront of of even just as a consumer, even if you're not going to be the next engineer, right? Just as a consumer, you have to understand and be comfortable adapting. And I think that what we're seeing now with older generations and, and the gap that is continuing to to to, to uh, become greater is this lack of adaptivity and, and really not understanding what's going there, having it being a scary experience and then not being adaptive to actually going and, ex- and, and experimenting. One of the things that I always uh, tell my, my grandparents is, you know, you can't really ruin anything. Right. Sometimes they're scared of, of pressing some buttons as if like something will break. Right. Like uh, it will shatter. But, you know, in my mind, nothing will shatter. The worst case is you do a restart. Uh, yes. But it's a different mindset. It's a different mentality. Miriam, talk to me about kids. Talk to me about com- communicating technology and screens to kids and, and how you see it needs to be done. For me, it was very important uh, not to use the screens from the very beginning. And that's why when three years ago, when I had my baby, I started thinking about, and, and I was a programming teacher, right? So when I got my baby, I was a programming teacher. I taught hundreds of students how to switch their careers into tech, right? That's what I was doing. And then I got pregnant and I had this son and I kind of naturally transitioned into thinking, how am I going to actually talk about my kid about computers and introducing him to this world? And for me, it was very important, first, that there was no screens, and second, that it was really simple. I thought, okay, how can I bring some of the elements that I used in my teaching and help other people introduce this topic to their children and start talking with them at home? That was really the, the, the key um, thing for me when I started this project. I had in mind this vision about how do I get parents and kids in bed talking about computers? That was my, right. if I can get that, you know, like my, my work is done here, right? So I thought, okay, you know what? We're already reading books to him. He loves books. You know, the stories are right. powerful. The stories are powerful. And also parents are normally so busy, you know, that it's like, um, I didn't want to give them a book that they had to prepare for, right? And I was like, look, today I'm going to read this book about farms and animals. Tomorrow we we'll read a book about computers and technology. So... This is how Therus and Ona were born. They are a zero and a one. They live inside your computer and uh, they live in the binary world and they share their adventures, right? So it's a book series. It comes with a parent guide at the end that also older kids Amazing. are reading. And so, but it's like, okay, how can we actually make this transition natural to our children and also for educators and parents? And again, it's not about being educational, right? That, that was also for me the the key point for the project, you know, I was like, how educative I want this to be. I think our children are going to be lifelong learners. We are seeing it right now, right? So it's not about teaching them anything, but it is about awakening that curiosity, you know, and making yes. them passionate and, yes. and creating that excitement and that sense of belonging, right? Of saying like, wow, how cool is that? And now yesterday, for example, we were not even reading the book to him, you know, like my child, of course, he knows a lot about Therus Anona and he doesn't much read the book anymore, but he wants to create his own stories about what's going on inside the computer with Therus Anona. And every night they go to somewhere 
different, you know? And then he's like, oh, and what happens there, daddy? What happens there, mommy? You know? And he's having this world in his mind. It's, I think it's amazing, right? Like to, to grow like that, you know? Unbelievable. I think that at the end, you know, I was very lucky to, to grow up in a place where my curiosity was, you know, sparked pretty early on. And, and so, you know, I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. And I think that at the end, that's really what drives me is that curiosity. And I think that, you know, really the differentiator with a lot of people, you know, you're seeing some of the some of the greatest minds and the greatest innovators at the end, you know, it's not necessarily about the money or it's not about the power. It's about that curiosity. You know, I'm thinking, why does Elon Musk have, you know, six different ventures, each of them in different domains that are making such a strong impact? Uh, you know, at the end, he, it, he's just a curious person. He wants to learn. Now, he's, you know, an innovator, but, you know, you can have also people that are engineers that are curious. You can have people that are architects that are curious or educators that are curious. But it's at the end, it's all about that lifelong learning and adaptivity. And so I think that's, I think that's fascinating. What what techniques did you find yourself having to use as you're writing this book for kids? Because you're not writing, you know, a, a wiki how that sparks curiosity for teens. You're writing a children's book about computers and about the internals of computers. So what is that process like for you? This is a great question, Michael. So um, I started um, when he was six months old, right? And our mm. child didn't sleep much. So the beginnings of the project was done in a very kind of a sleep-deprived situation. Wow. And I think that was actually a positive thing for the project because at the end of the day, I'm talking with a zero and a one, right? <laughs> so if you are really in a very rational state, um, that might not work. <laughs> right. So um, the very that. beginning, the very beginning was that. Well, I kind of, as I said, I left my architecture career some years ago, and uh, after I got my my child, he was not sleeping, and I finally decided, like, look, my work was to teach coding programming to twenty five people right. who you know, who decided to quit their careers and make a switch. And um, yesterday at 3 a.m. in the morning, I was walking around my block, you know, trying to make these babies. I cannot do this, right? Like, I thought like, okay, I'm just going to stay home, you know, for, uh, you know, let's see how this takes, you know, but I cannot teach other how to go in this state, you know, and be responsible for the future. So right. I stayed at home and then I discovered that actually I was missing some of that creativity and, and quick thinking and that I experienced as an architect, right? So I started journaling a lot and I started with the artist way, the, the book from Julia Cameron, maybe you've heard from it. And mm -hmm. uh, she gives you two different tools. So she gives you morning pages, which is like you wake up and you write three pages, like handwritten, like nonstop, just, you know, mm -hmm. brain down yeah. the whole thing. And then she also says that once a week you need to have like an artist date. So I started doing that. And... Um, the first pages were very boring. The first pages were like, okay, why is my baby not so sleeping? You know, like my life is such a chaos. You know, I want to go back to teaching, you know, where is my life, you know, and so on. But then at some point I started, okay, you know, like, and of course you first need to go through those pages, you know, that's what they tell you in the book as well, you know, to clear that stuff up, you know, and then be in a mind it. state, you know, which is like empty. And so, so, 
you know, one day I was talking about how my creativity was damaged, and, th- and then that same night we talked with I talked with my husband about the whole, you know, how are we going to teach him about technology, computers, and then one day Therese and Anna were on the page, and then ever since they've been there, right? And I love uh, it. now I don't write three mo- three pages, but I might write one page in the morning, and every time that I need to create a new story, and it comes from that place. And here I want to say something that I discovered and that many, it can resonate with some people. And I don't think we speak much about this, which is that the huge role that intuition plays in all this, right? Like all the stories for Theros and Una, they are not coming from a place of pushing, right? Or like forcing stuff, you know? Like I first need to go to a place in which I'm like very much, you know, in the side and I let them ride, uh, take the ride, right. lead the ride, right? So uh, how do you do that? We, I think we don't have time for 20 minutes. But uh, mm, I see many people, you know, being said, like, look, you know, like, fetch your dreams, you know, like, and for me, I had to slow down. And I think that's actually the positive aspect that I had about being sleep deprived, you know, and having that break in my career, which is like, sometimes you need to stop and slow down to speed up again, right? I love and that. come from that moment that. of... Uh... I love that. Yeah. Does that answer I your think question? That, I think that 100%. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are going to come out of this pandemic, myself included, and are going to 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 to, to feel much more comfortable with, with the decisions they're going to make. I think that a lot of my friends that I've spoken with, you know, everybody's plans have completely changed. Throughout, throughout the pandemic. And a lot of people were forced, you know, to, to slow down a bit and to, to go a little bit more internal and to spend some meaningful time thinking whether they like it or not. But at the end, I think that a lot of people are going to come out and, and have much more clarity as to what they want to be doing and where they want to be spending their time. And, and I know that I, I also am already starting to reflect on some of these insights that I've gained throughout throughout COVID. Uh, Miriam, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Thank you for joining me here. Uh, I, I wish we had more time to, to... I have 50 more questions I want to ask you. But for now, the most important question I have left is three words that you, you would use to describe yourself. I'm passionate about life and work. And I think this is becoming even more important in these days in which we are at the moment. I'm also um, an optimistic problem solver. So you mentioned before about the school, you know, it's not about, you know, that problem solver, which is fine, you know, problem solving week, you know, but I think having a, you know, designing things with a positive narrative, optimistic narrative is becoming more important right now also as ever before and um i think discipline is another one yes so i'm gonna leave it here there i love it miriam thank you so so much uh, stay you, safe and stay healthy uh, i can't wait to first of all re- read the books myself second of all to uh, to share these books with with my nieces and, and with other kids as well so thank you for all the work that you're doing i think it's incredibly important i think it's one of the most important things that educators can do uh, you know where we are today in preparation for a world that nobody knows what it's going to be like you know in in the 1900s when people used to educate kids they used to know pretty much what the kids are going to experience in their lifetime and what 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 mentality they need to be prepared for and i think the most exhilarating thing here is that we don't know what we need to prepare for we don't know what adversity you're going to strike. We don't know what opportunities are going to come to us. And so I think that what you're doing here is, is extremely, extremely important. Thank you very much and stay safe and stay healthy.
Tell me how it's going. We keep in touch. Wonderful. Thank you.